stop, stop, stop. I can't take it anymore. Oh, I do the live one too. Yes, I know. I saw your act in the theater. You're really quite good. Quite a certain harmful habit. Stop it now. I'm leaving. Hello and welcome everyone. We are breaking up with RBS. This is episode number E and I am Tawny Santabria. And I am JDK Winnikin, back once again to debunk the junk. All those stories that we make up about our various emotional states that just get in the way of reality and bring us more stress and dis-ease than we really need. And so we are all about helping people find those and eliminate them. How's that for a summary? Pretty good. All right. You're on it. That's good. All right. Well, all right. Well, that's good. I managed to do that in one breath. It's amazing. Let's see if I can do the rest of this. Uh, if you are listening live uh, this morning, good morning. If you are listening to this as a podcast, thank you so much for subscribing and leaving us a review. And remember that you can get this and every episode of Breaking Up With RBS as a podcast wherever you get your podcasts. You can also uh, join our Facebook group at Breaking Up With RBS where you can interact with us between uh, episodes and get some other content. We also have a YouTube channel of the same name that has the video versions of every episode. Tawny has her six-week self-mastery course uh, at unperfectyourself.com, where you can apply all these things that we talk about to the context of your own life. And on the second Saturday of every month, we offer a free Zoom workshop to introduce anybody who is interested to some of the techniques we're talking about and answer any questions that you might have. And that's just a part of our larger for expanding Mm -hmm. all of this, right? So lots of different ways to interact and break up with this BS. It's kind of fun to have all these options out there. Well, yeah, we get to talk to a lot of different people and they get to find us in a lot of different ways. And we're all sort of working towards the same common goal in terms of being able to live, you know, happier lives and more ease, all those kinds of things. So lots of things out there. Which tends to be the things we're looking for, you know, really in the end. Um, All right. And so we've been going for, um, you know, about the past eight weeks or so, a special series, the Flinging Your Poo series, as we called it, very visual, very vivid, and uh, essentially highlighting Mm -hmm. some very common stories that we all seem to have and kind of taking those on. There have been a number of them. uh, And so we are we're on the ninth one of those today. So, so, Tawny, where are we going for in this top 10 list that we're coming together, putting together? Where are we going today? Yes, surprise. We've been doing a top 10 top list. Top 10 list. <laughs> well, okay. Either number two or number nine. We're not sure which because we just randomly <laughs> threw them in there, right? Right. right. <laughs> all the suspense. Um, you know, the story that we've all carried at some point in our lives at one point or another, um, that story of sort of like being all alone. Oh. I'm all alone. I'm all alone, meaning I'm, nobody understands me. Mm-hmm. Yep, nobody understands me. Um, nobody gets me. Nobody likes what I like. Nobody supports me. You know, those kinds of I, I don't have a partner. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, everybody's mad at me. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, I can't relate yeah, to anyone. Those kinds of things. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, yeah, that, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Those. <clears throat> All right, so definitely overgeneralizations. Well, yes, yes, and 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 what immediately strikes me is um, those are coming from a place of um, something something feels wrong, <laughs> right? Uh, and and I've certainly heard that from clients before. I'm sure you have as well. 
Uh, where do you want to go with that? What do you want to, where do you want to start with? Yeah, well, I think I, I like to debunk it, right? Like, I think that it's kind of actually impossible. It's impossible for us to actually be alone. As humans, we are social beings. And there is always somebody out there that, you know, has had a similar experience as we have. We just have to, I mean, as simple as get on our get get on any kind of social media and you will see this, but not that I'm recommending you get on any social media because you could use a break from that too. But <laughs> but but it simply is not true that any one of us is actually all alone. Momentarily we may be feeling a lot of feelings things based off of our conditioned stories of ourself as being sort of this separate entity and this sort of static being um, and and this like this stage of our life whatever it is that we're dealing with right now is the thing that is going to last for forever right mm -hmm. so if we're struggling right now and if we have these momentary feelings of sort of like am i even understood or what what would what might that feel like to really be understood or to really be seen right like when we're in our head talking to ourselves in this way we're reminding you know if we could <laughs> that this is just a moment in time this is just a stage perhaps a moment in time and the rest of our life is not the what this is right here right now good bad or ugly anyway you know so it just is simply not true that we are all yeah, you know, what, what came up for me with that is, is exactly what you just said at the tail end, that the the energy or the tension or the fear, whatever is driving that story, it's, it's, it's not just this, I'm, I'm alone, right? maybe the current state, but that this moment means I'm going to stay that way. <laughs> you know, it's, and it's an easy thing to do because that, of course, is the fear. As you said, we're social creatures. And so I think on some level we fear not being connected, you know, and it got me wondering of, you know, that feeling of loneliness, which is a normal thing. Right? We can feel lonely at times and that type of thing. Is that really, are we really talking about instead of being alone, are we talking about being disconnected perhaps in the moment from somebody or, or that sense of, of social, um, social normalcy, I guess. I don't know. I know the word I'm looking for. But that's what came up for me is, are we really talking about in that moment of telling us that, telling ourselves a grand story of I am all alone, are we really feeling disconnected in the moment? Sure. Right. Like those moments of disconnection, both from ourselves and from other people can culminate into or support those conditioned stories that we are separate mm -hmm. anyway. Right. That, um, that we we're, we're an individual who um, has had our own experiences and that they may not be relatable, right? Like we have a lot of conditioning as we're growing up that um, informs us that we are separate, mm -hmm. right? That, that, that we are ourselves and somebody else is their, themselves. And, the, and, and, and physically that's true, but we're also energy and we're also getting and and pinging off of each other in a lot of ways too and it's when the story comes in that oh this interaction means i'm not worthy right or they don't want to be around me or mm -hmm. i'm not liked or i'm not lovable and then that means 
I'm to be alone, right? Those are all the mental constructs that we end up um, feeding ourselves when we're conditioned to know that we're um, separate and then need to protect ourselves, yeah. right? We need to protect ourselves from what's not familiar, or we need to protect ourselves um, from certain uh, things that we've learned along the way, right? Or certain ways of, of, of living that we've learned along the way, right? Those are all the sort of like the mental stories, the mm-hmm. feeling of being disconnected or the feeling of being alone momentarily is, is not ever really the problem. It's when we feed that yes. with the conditioned stories over time chronically, that then there lies the trouble because then we just believe it. And with a lot of different repetition of, yes, this story is true. Yes, look at me now. This story is true. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. We're not looking for the alternative story. Mm-hmm. Yep. We. So then we start to believe it even more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we reinforce it, right? And then we, and then the, the danger becomes you continue to act in ways that perpetrates that very story. Because if, if the story becomes, I am alone all the time and I'm destined to be alone, you may not be taking the steps that you could take <laughs> to not be alone, to be connected, to reach out, maybe to step into a little bit more of a discomfort zone to get to, to know people, to be vulnerable a little bit more. And that's the, that's the thing. When we talk about debunking the junk, this is the junk because the picture of what that means is continuing to reinforce these feelings of being alone and reinforce that story when it doesn't need to be that way. And that, that to me, it was, and that was certainly the challenge that, that I, that I could have once upon a time with that, with that, this very story, <laughs> you know, cause then you can pile on so many other things. What did I do to deserve being alone? Or what do I have to make up to the universe to balance out the scales? If you will, <laughs> like, you know, what do I have to do? And before and you're having conversations and evaluating scenarios that are not real at all right and they're certainly not don't have to be chronically real we could have moments mm-hmm. of feeling these these uncomfortable feelings as it relates to connection to another person certainly we can have these moments but but if, if we were able to just like flip that switch, all my clients just like to flip the switch. I think we've talked about this we before, did. but if we were able to <laughs> flip the switch, right. And just automatically start to notice all of the ways in which there is an alternative story to this. I'm all alone story. Mm-hmm. We would probably come up with just as many. We would notice just as many interactions that debunks. I'm all alone. We're just not, telling ourselves those over and over and over again. <laughs> right. Right. And then I mean we're not even noticing them. Yeah, we're not even noticing them and then as we've talked about before recently, wherever there isn't information that the brain has, it will make up you know connections because we want things to make sense. We want there to be mm-hmm. something. And sometimes when it can end up happening is that we seize on to the first story that makes sense and then we feed that one. The quote unquote makes sense. <laughs> it's the one that that man, you know, that's usually reinforces something like maybe we're feeling bad about ourselves. So the brain <laughs> finds a way to tell us a story or for us to embrace a story that where we end up feeling bad about ourselves or we go, that's why I'm alone or that's why I'm not worthy of, of somebody. Um, 
Man, and this this is a powerful one. No matter whether it's number nine or number two on our top ten list, this is a powerful one because we see signs around all the time of the costs on individual levels and in families and in communities of this very story. Yeah, we sure do. We sure do. Um, you know, adding on to what you'd said earlier about sort of believing what comes up, right? This, this is the trouble with um, when we're really little, right? We're, we are taught to pay closer attention to our mistakes or the things we need to fix. Mm-hmm. You know, what are we going to do different next time? Right. Or, um, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of noticing or awareness or emotion around when it's, you know, when it's, you know, bad or, or when it's not going well enough. Right. And so we start to be problem focused really early on. Mm -hmm. And, and if we're focused on problems really early on, we think about three and four and five-year-olds, you know, they're learning to be pretty problem focused so they can fix that or do it differently next time. Yeah. Right. And, and so we're training the brain from a very young age to notice the things that are, that, that are uncomfortable or feel problematic. Right. Because we're a bad person. Like, I don't know how many times my clients ask me, do you think I'm a bad person? Yes. Yes. Right. So, so we're, we're tuned into the brain is tuned into all of the things that are not likable or may not be likable about ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and that's the list of the two. If we're going to make a list of the things that aren't good about ourselves or that are a problem, that's the list that gets held up as much more prominent than all the positives, than all those other things. Right. And what I hear you saying is we would be better served if as kids we were, we were focusing on the opposite of that or your parents were focusing on the opposite of that. I mean, how would you, how would you explain that? Like what would be a, what's, what's a preferred way of, if there's going to be conditioning, what's the preferred way of conditioning? Well, that's the thing, right? Like when we as parents are, you know, we have this vision for our kids, we want them to be successful. So each parent sort of, whether they know it or not, has this vision about what they'd like to see their child grow, you know, how they'd like to see their child child grow up, right? And we're already starting as parents to try to sway them in those directions. And if we don't even know this about ourselves, that we could be maybe problem focused, we don't even know that we've got some perfectionist qualities ourselves, or in ourselves, right? We are, we don't even know we're conditioning our kids, number one, really. And we're, we're doing this in such subtle ways, right? Even when we talk about ourselves in ways in front of our kids and we're pointing out what we don't like, mm. right? Or, be, or make to be a problem or a deficit, right? When we're seeing normal um, ways of uh, growing, you know, we've, how do you grow? Like you try things out. Right. And um, when when we're uh, making a deficit out of some of those sort of ways of thinking or behaviors, then our kids are learning. Oh, yeah, I don't like that about myself. Maybe I'm not tall enough. Right. Maybe my toes, maybe my toes are just weird looking. Mm -hmm. Right. And and as a kid, like 
we just laughed at how weird looking my toes were or what, whatever. I mean, like the smallest, tiniest thing that we are doing that over time trains the brain to look at all the things about us that aren't good enough. Yeah. Right. So, so that's kind of how that happens, but then we don't need to necessarily, we want to live in reality, right? We want to live in the present moment reality. And so some of, we've talked about this, this do a lot of the problems need to be problems. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right. Yeah. Right. So not, not talking about problems all the time could be one of the ways to not condition ourselves to be so problem focused. That would be one way to see a lot of experiences and events and, and growing as not problems. Yeah. 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 I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. I think the, the, it's a powerful question that you asked me once upon a time and I've asked clients in my own experience and asked, you know, friends and others saying, what if this, what if this wasn't a problem actually, what would it be like? You know, because we think about it, we talk about being alone and we talk about lonely or isolated, right? Which are, are seen as negative things. But then we also talk about solitude and solitude is being, is being on your own is alone, but that's, that's a very different thing, right? Whereas, so we've, we've, we've said that there's a form of aloneness, solitude that is really good. And we could frame that as self care and as boundaries and as uh, self love and all those other things. But then we have this other side that we could call it isolation. We could call it separation. We could call it loneliness and everything like that. And when, when, I talk with people about those differences. What's so interesting is so often they bounce around on what it could all mean. They, you know, clients will talk back and forth what it is. And then eventually they come to the point. It's like, well, wait a minute. I guess I get to choose more whether I'm solitude is a positive thing, taking time for myself or, and and the thing is with solitude, I don't think there's a story (laughs) like taking time for myself. Right. Or if there is a story, it's I'm taking time for myself to give myself that's what comes up for me. And, and with that, I want to throw this in here because it keeps coming up. You and I have talked so many times on the show before about the two possible modes we can be in, right? Protection or connection. And if we tell ourselves that we are alone all the time or that I am destined to be alone, it's interesting that people don't necessarily always see that as a protective space. Like I am, I'm keeping things out. Does that make sense? Am I describing that in a way that makes sense? it sounds like what you're talking about is sort of, we're always having choice as to how we want to, or whether we want to engage. Yeah. Right. More right. So than we think. right. Like, mm-hmm. so if we are, yeah, if we're putting up the hand, if we're saying I'm not likable, so I'm not going to go out of my house or, you know, then we're also engaging in the alone process. Mm-hmm. So, so the, the part of, you know, it came up for me earlier too, as you were talking, is this part of like um, enjoying one's own company, yes. like yourself, like enjoying your, your, the company of yourself, right? In those, like not trying to get away from yourself, not trying to just avoid and escape from yourself, hoping or waiting for a time when somebody else arrives. Mm. We, we, we can tend to have done this myself too. We can tend to get caught in that trap of like, 
the, you know, not liking the stillness maybe, or not liking the quiet, right? So we escape from ourselves when we're by ourselves, waiting for that other to come. But the the antidote to that really, it, the antidote to that, and then also to not be chronically feeling alone is to enjoy your own company, finding that space internally so that whether somebody's here or whether somebody's not, well, somebody's always here, it's you. Um, you, that, that, that story of being alone and all that comes with it is absolutely not ever true then at that point. Yeah. And I think, I think you described much more accurately what comes to mind for me when I say solitude to myself, it's enjoying my own company, being comfortable in my own space, comfortable with what I'm doing. Um, and it's on my own. I think that's absolutely the case. And, and so if, if somebody is saying to themselves this story, I'm always alone, and doesn't know what that means or doesn't, hasn't perhaps framed things as finding a way to enjoy my own company, it's a good way to start de- you know, debunking that. It's like, what are the things that I enjoy doing? or what's, What would that look like to be enjoying my own company? Uh, and that's a great question. That's one I'm going to start using. Uh, you know, cause I like that actually better than solitude or loneliness. Cause even those things are, um, can be laden with stories, you know, all those things, right? Like the idea of solitude, you need to be like a hermit off meditating or, you know, always at peace with oneself. It doesn't need to be that way. It's just, can we be with ourselves and enjoy our own company and sit with our own difficult emotions at the time where maybe things don't feel all that enjoyable? Yep. Yep. So, so that, you know, if we could start to cultivate that when kids are really little, mm-hmm. not that it helps any of us now at the age we are, but, <laughs> but if we could start to cultivate that when, when, if you're, you're a new parent, right. Or if you've got some, some younger aged kids, you could start to already cultivate some of this for them so that that feeling of alone isn't a problem, right. That there's still much to experience and engage in, um, where, what, whatever phase and stage of life, uh, where it arrives that there's a little bit more of alone time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and for folks who, you know, are in the already learned that alone time is, was a problem or has, has some of the alone stories that we've been talking about, um, finding, finding small things to start to do on your own that aren't escapist activities. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and, and talking with folks maybe to see if, if there's just, if you don't have an idea about what the, some of those things might be, maybe there's somebody that you can talk to and ask, start asking some questions. Like, do you, do you enjoy your time with yourself? Like, do, what do you do? What do you, mm-hmm. what do you enjoy about that? Like just asking the question. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's important because to me, to me, those, those are really important questions because and then being really honest about them is what parcels out the things that we, we go to as distractions. Scrolling social media tends to be distraction. I don't consider that to be enjoying my own company. <laughs> you know, I consider that to be really disconnecting and really just really trying to distract myself from something most of the time. Um, sometimes even like just being busy with stuff sometimes, you know, may not is, is more disconnecting, even if it's things I need to be doing, you know, uh, cleaning up my space or, or whatever. The approach of it is what matters so much, the intention of this and really taking a look at that. Um, for me, what I have found, reading something, 
that has absolutely nothing to do with my work, but, you know, anything other than that that's just something I want to read because I enjoy it, right? And that's a big one for me. Exercise, walking around outside, you know. Uh, and, and when I really discovered that I love my mornings to be quiet, that was really a big deal for me. You know, quiet, ease into the day, coffee, maybe something to read, maybe just taking the time to be in my body and wake up, those things. I really enjoy those things. And boy, they go a long way. Mm -hmm. They go a long way in helping my day-to-day, moment-to-moment sense of self and, the le- and, and keeping a lot of those stories from even formulating in the first place. Yeah, starting out the day in a way that you're enjoying the early part of the day. It doesn't even have to be hours upon hours. It can be 20 minutes and you're starting out the day in a way that's going to allow you to kind of get get into the day feeling uh, somewhat more fueled yep. and, and ready to engage. Yep. So, yeah. Yeah, just, just one of many uh, different options. And certainly, Tawny, we could go on and on about all of this, but believe it or not, we are out of time. <laughs> How about that? I know. How does that happen every time? Well, we just run out of time. Well, well you know, you get as those, soon as we get going. Right. And you get those connected conversations going and you get that bubble emerges, right? And then before you know it, time is time has gone by. So thanks so much, Tawny. Uh, fabulous stuff as always. Hopefully for all of you listeners, that was helpful for you. Again, make sure if you've missed any of this episode or any other episodes, you can get this as a podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Please check us out at our Facebook group, Breaking Up With Our BS, our YouTube channel of the same name. Check out Tawny's six-week self-mastery course at unperfectyourself.com and always be on the lookout on every second Saturday of the month for our free workshop. We'll be back next week with the last piece of the Finding Your Poo series. And until then, I am JDK Winnikin. And I'm Tawny Santabria. Thanks, everybody. See you soon. I'm in my groove. Here we go.